morning, Kingsway. Um, wow, isn't it so great to worship together still, you know? Um, man, that is just such a beautiful thing. Um, the riches of your love will always be enough. Nothing compares to your embrace. Wow, how true um, is that? Uh, my name is Zach, and I have the pleasure of filling in for Mark while he's on his special vacation. Um, man, Mark has always been there for me. I'm sure he's been there for so many of you. He's like the tip of the spear, you know, whenever there's a, a crisis or anything, he's right there. And I'm so happy to see him just get to unplug and, and take a break. Um, I text him even to ask him if I could go with him, but he did not text me back. So I guess that's not happening. Um... I don't think we have any announcements, like Charlie said, so I think we'll just get right into God's Word this morning. Uh, I want to talk about the value of Christ, the value of Christ today. Um, I have a friend at work, um, and he was saying, we were just having a conversation on a night shift, and I uh, randomly looked over to him and I said, what do you value? And he kind of turned over, that's not a typical question you get at a steel mill, but um, we started to chat, and um, we said, well, you know, what do we strive after in this life? What do we go for, you know? And uh, my friend at work, he's not a believer, and he came to the conclusion that, you know, it's really money and, and family, right? And, and that seemed to make sense to him. That's what we value the most, isn't it? You know, our jobs and, and money and, and also our family and, and friends, and that's what a lot of us, you know, strive after. And then after that, he, he looked at me and he said, do you have another answer? And he knew that I did, and, and we got chatting again, right? So I just want to, uh, we'll dive into our text this morning. It's uh, Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. If you have your Bibles, please join me there today. Matthew 13, 44. And we'll have it up on the screen as well. So before we dive in, let me just pray quick, please. Father God, we thank you for each soul who came here today, God. We thank you for your deep love for everyone here, God. We ask that uh, simply, Lord, that you come and that you just reign here and, and touch hearts, Lord. And I pray that you would soften hearts, Lord. As we look at your word, God, would, you, would we fear your word, God? Would we take it with a holy reverence and awe this morning for everything that you've got to say to us? In Jesus' name, amen. So first up here, we have in, uh, verse 44. We have the parable of the hidden treasure and the pearl. I'm going to read it here. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure that a man discovered hidden in a field. In his excitement, he hid it again and sold everything he owned to get enough money to buy the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. I love uh, the Lord's parables. There's so many lessons we can learn in them. There's so many deep, profound things that Jesus himself teaches with them. First, I just want to look at this phrase they use, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Hmm. An apologist summed it up, Tim Barnett. He said, the kingdom of heaven is a genuine offer from God to rule in the hearts of those who believe in his name. 
Submission to the kingship of God is what brings true freedom. Those who reject God's kingdom are in bondage. And this may sound counterintuitive, but those outside the kingdom of God are inside the kingdom of Satan. So just a quick overview. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven is a genuine offer for God to rule in the hearts of those who believe in his name. And these individuals in the story, they found that. That's what it's about. They found this, this value in, in finding this out. And, and notice that both people, when they, when they realize this treasure, what they have found, the immense value, the response was to both um, sell everything they had, just give everything they had and sell it all, give it away, just to grasp, just to take hold of this treasure. And, you know, we see that um, it was a joyful thing. It wasn't a, a sorrowful thing. They were happy to get rid of everything if it meant that they could take hold of this treasure they found, the kingdom of heaven. You see that they found something with, with true value, something with eternal value, only found in Jesus Christ. Um, there have been many over the course of history who have realized and taken hold of this value and, and sold everything even unto death. And in particular, we look at so many missionaries. I read a book recently about missionaries, and I was shocked to see how many died at a young age, how many went over and, and died shocking deaths. But they were so captivated by God's word and his value, they were re- ready to give it all. They knew the worth of it, and they knew how much the world needed um, this value as well. And they gave it all. They committed their whole life, and, and most of them, it cost them their life. One thing I love about this merchant, this pearl merchant, um, you know, how he was looking for a choice pearl. And I feel like so often, I'm okay, thanks, baby. Um, my wife, she's always worried about my dry mouth, and I thank God for an awesome wife because she takes care of my dry mouth up here. But anyways, thank you, baby. Um, this merchant, you know, he was a, a, um, a pearl merchant, and I love how, you know, when he was searching, he didn't find like a big diamond or he didn't find gold. No, he found a choice pearl. He found exactly what he was looking for. And I feel like so many of us are, are merchants in life. We're, we're out, we're looking for good things. We're looking for a good life. We're looking for a good family, good things, right? And when we finally find the Lord, it fits exactly what we've been longing for, exactly what we've needed. It's how he's designed us, right? And so we finally found it, and that's when that man, it's like, I found exactly what I've been looking for, and he sold it all just to have that, just to take hold of that. It's such a beautiful picture. Um, I'm only a man, and I've had uh, my share of ups and downs. Um, You know, I remember what my life was like without this treasure, and I'm sure many of you can today. And really, I I was without treasure. I was poor. I was broken. I was lost. I was searching. I needed something. And I thank God that one morning when I was at really my lowest, I think it was on a Sunday morning, matter of fact, and uh, I was at my mom and dad's place still living there, and, and um, I found it, and, and more like he found me, and he touched me, and, and, I, was, and I, I found this treasure. And there's an old song that um, 
that came to my mind. I don't know if you know, it goes like this. He touched me. I'm not, I'm not going to sing it. I'm not going to sing it, but I'm going to read it. It's, it's by, thank you, yeah, by the Gaithers, right? It's a beautiful song. I just want to read some of the lyrics quick. It says, Shackled by a heavy burden, neath a load of guilt and shame, then the, the hand of Jesus touched me, and now I am no longer the same. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. Since I met this blessed Savior, since he cleansed me and made me whole, I will never cease to praise him. I'll shout it while eternity rolls. He touched me. Oh, he touched me. And oh, the joy that floods my soul. Something happened, and now I know he touched me and made me whole. And doesn't that perfectly encounter or encompass what happens when we meet the Lord? He just touches us. He makes us whole. And, and like the song says, nothing can compare to your embrace. It's a profound treasure only found in Jesus Christ. And I can't tell you how much that I personally value this. I love just sitting and spending time in God's word. I love just laying on the floor and just being in his presence. And it wasn't easy at first. But like the merchant, I sold it all. I sold everything that was getting in the way of me taking hold of this treasure. Whether it was habits, relationships, uh, my TV, anything that got in the way, I sold it all. It's out because I want to take hold of this that I found. I want to, I want to, I see the value and I want it all. I need it all. You know, the, the priceless, most, most valuable treasure of the Lord is the Lord um, himself in our lives, right? And if you're here today and you're finding it like it's been hard to connect with the Lord or you haven't yet and it is hard. Um, I was having a tough day a month or two ago and it was just, I don't know, busy, overwhelming, lack of sleep. You know how it is. And um, I remember just saying, Oh, God, I need you so bad today. Like, I need you. I need to find you somewhere. I need you to speak to me. I need you. I'm, I'm not okay, you know? And I was walking down the stairs, I remember, and I felt in my heart, it's like, I am where I always have been. I'm in your bedroom with the door shut, right? For me personally, that's when I found the Lord when I came back to him. You know, I'd go in my bedroom, I'd shut the door, I'd open the Bible, and I would just spend time with him in my word, you know. He says, I've, I'm, I am where I've always been. You know, come, come and get it, you know. And I know the Lord, he's everywhere. We can meet him in our car, we can meet him at work even, you know, and, and he's everywhere. So, but he's, he's got an invitation. He says, come, come, I, I'm here for you. And, and for all of you, he's got open welcome arms, Right. And um, I just want to say loud and, and, and clear to you that there is absolutely nothing better you can do with your time, effort, and life than to live for Jesus Christ, to make moves toward God himself, um, and to allow him to be Lord of your life. Nothing comes close to the value of that. Everything pales in comparison Money, trips, everything that the world seems to offer can't hold a candle to having the Lord in your life. And again, Matthew 6 says, 6, 6 says uh, when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, 
will openly reward you, right? So God, it's a promise. He says, come. He says, come. Um, we have a perfect uh, example of this. Um, let's look at Mary and Martha when visited by Jesus in Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Please join me there if you have your Bibles, and it'll be on the screen as well. Maybe we'll look at that picture real quick just to give some, some quick imagery. So here we have an old painting by uh, Rembrandt. And um, we see we have Mary and Martha. And we have half the disciples, they're rallying out back trying to decide which one is Mary and Martha. They're not sure yet. So the way I remember is Martha, Martha Stewart. She cares about her house. Mary, Mary like God's mom, Jesus' mom, she cares about Jesus. So that's how I kind of remember that. It's like Cain and Abel. Cain had the cane. You know, it's just things that you pick up. But anyways, um, so let's just read through it here. It says, At Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem. They came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, My dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it. And it will not be taken from her. In life, we have so many distractions that want to take us away from spending time with God. So many distractions. I feel like distractions are like the number one tool of the enemy to get us off track, to get our minds wandering. I I can't think of how many times I sat down and the devil reminds me I got to pay a bill or something, you know? There's so many things. And I think... In terms of distractions, when it comes to us sitting down and wanting to spend time with the Lord, this is what you got to do. You got to take your phone and walk to the front door and throw it as far as you can and then come back in and, and sit down. That's, that's probably step, step one. And I love how um, Jesus said, you know, you're worried about many things. And it's so easy for us to get caught up in our daily stuff. We get worried about so many things, right? There's, there's you know, we, we've got kids, we've got groceries, we've got dinners, we've got this, appointments. It goes on and on and on. It takes up all our time and thought, right? But Jesus says, you're worried about so many things, but only one thing is needed. Only one thing that you really need to be concerned about, and it's me. It's taking hold of me. It's sitting at my feet. And, and all, all those things that I mentioned obviously need to be done, but they need to be done in their place. And, and that's when God is number one, and we've spent time with him, and we're seeking him, right? And I love how, at the end, he said, you know, Mary has, has said the, the right thing, and it won't be taken away from her, right? And when, when we spend that time, it's an eternal value that will never be taken away from us, right? The days will go by, and the suppers will come and go, and we'll forget about that, but the time that we spend with the Lord will never be taken away from us. That will always be rooted in our hearts. It's a, it has eternal value. It's the value of Christ, right? I just want to switch uh, gears here and check out the parable of the rich fool. Uh, just over on the page on Luke 12, verse 13. I'm just going to read through it as well here. It says, Then someone called from the crowd, Teacher, 
Please tell my brother to divide our father's estate with me. Jesus replied, Friend, who made me judge over you to decide such things as that? Then he said, Beware, guard against every kind of greed. Life is not measured by how much you own. Then he told them a story. A rich man had a fertile farm that produced fine crops. He said to himself, what should I do? I don't have room for all my crops. Then he said, I know. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones. Then I'll have enough room to store all my wheat and other goods. I'll sit back and I'll say to myself, my friend, you have enough stored away for years to come. Now take it easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, you will die this very night. Then who will get everything you worked for? Yes, a person is a fool to store up earthly wealth, but not have a rich relationship with God. I love the New King James. It says, your soul will be required of you this night. It's, it says, hold on a second, right? First, I just want to look at Jesus says something incredible here. He says, life is not measured by how much you own. And I think that we've all been guilty at this at one point. We look at how much we have, and we kind of place ourselves in the world's, you know, standing, you know. And um, I remember being a young guy. I had the truck. I had the, the place. I had the dog. I had everything for a country song. You know, I thought I was, I was set, right? And my sweet wife, she went to Guelph University with a lot of uh, ladies who were in agriculture. And they used to say, you got to have a guy with quota. He's got to have quota, and that was, you know, the thing. And so we, we, we measured our lives by how much we own or, or we're going to own, right? And we see that so true uh, in our society, right? But Jesus says, no, no, no. He says, life is not measured by how much you own. And uh, here we have a man. Um, we'll do, I think, number, number four, my friend. Um, here we have a man, and he was just committed to his own plans. He had no thoughts of uh, the Lord. He had his own lifestyle, his own future, with absolutely no consideration of God, eternity, anything like that. And, and the Lord was very strong with him. He says, no, 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 you don't understand. Like, you could, you could die tonight, and what's that all going to be worth, Right. He had no thought of his afterlife. He only valued things of this world. And here we see him at night, you know, just crunching the numbers, figuring it all out. Okay, I'm set. I'm set. And I see this so much with uh, me and my pals at work, right? We're of the age where we're really thinking a lot about retirement and all that stuff. And the boys are researching and crunching numbers. Okay, how am I going to make out the best here? And they dive right in, right? And I often ask them, I say, man, we put so much thought into this. How much time are we thinking about what's going to happen to us when we die? And obviously, it's a very puzzling, you know, look and say, man, that's all just going to work out. And I say, you know, is your retirement all going to work out? No, no, no. You have to consider this. You need to take this seriously. You need to sit down and, and crunch some spiritual numbers here, right? And, and I feel like our whole world, we, we plan for years about retirement, but we don't think a moment about, you know, eternity a lot of the time, right? And um, things go desperate when God says, tonight your, your soul will be required of you, you know? All that stuff that you've worked for and, and, and all the numbers you crunched, it doesn't mean anything anymore. You're facing, you're facing death now, right? Um, you know, friends, gosh, the, the, if you just look around, I've been watching the news 
really hard for 10 years. I, I really love to see what's going around, uh, going on in the world. Um, my dad and I, we talked a lot about Bible prophecy growing up, and I've never seen the world in such a desperate state than it is right now. And these words of Jesus here, or excuse me, of John that we're going to read, this world is, is passing away. This world is passing away, and we're seeing more and more like it's just coming to fruition day by day. So I just want to read 1 John 2.15 here. Do not love this world, nor the things that it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, our, our pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And the world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But everyone who does what pleases God will live forever. You know, in contrast, Jesus says, he says, I go to prepare a place for you. Right now, there is an eternal home waiting for us. And when we enter into it, there will be no more death, no more pain, no more sickness, no more crying. He will wipe every tear from every eye. There will be a brand new heaven, a new earth, a new government, hallelujah, that that will last forever, right? It's exactly what we've been created for. And for the believer, that's where our true citizenship lies, isn't it? It's not here. We are sojourners here. We are just passing through. So my friends, do not get caught up in this world with all its possessions and strivings after worthless endeavors that have no eternal value. Um, Jeremiah 2.13 pictures this perfectly. It says, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, abandoned me, the living, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. And we're seeing this so much in our, in our fallen society, aren't we? We're seeing, we're seeing a bunch of cracked cisterns walking around with no living water in them. They cannot hold God's living water because we've cultivated these lifestyles that are all invested in worldly things. And when we come to the Lord and, and when, we, when we, we really just we're going to these things for, for a drink and, and they're not fulfilling us, right? The, the only way we can be fulfilled and, and truly our, our, our thirst quenched is when we come to the Lord. And it says, John four fourteen says, but those who drink the water I give them will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh and bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. You know, the Lord, he calls us to turn to him, to repent, to cultivate a godly lifestyle that will hold this living water and bubble up into a spring of eternal life. That sounds pretty good. That sounds pretty good because I've been on the other side of that. I've been a cracked well. I've been a cracked cistern with no water. It's dry. It's desolate. It's desperate. We got to come to the Lord. We got to come back to the Lord. Um, And lastly, I just want to point out that we see that worldly success alone, it it leads to to emptiness. You know, we see that with our sports stars and our movie stars and and everybody out there, you know, how many stories do you hear of their brokenness, their emptiness, their, their just lostness, right? And it just goes to show, even if you had it all, you still can have nothing, 
right? Even if you had it all, you can still have nothing. And, and also, there's still that mortality issue for all, all these big stars, you know? I know uh, Top Gun came out. I didn't see it, but everybody was talking about it. And I always thought Val, Val Kilmer was a cool dude, and I, I still think he is. And, um, and then somebody said he wasn't in it. You know, he was, he was fighting throat cancer and, and was having trouble speaking and, and things like that. And I was like, oh, man, no way. You know, like all these guys, I thought, you know, and, but mortality, you know, we, we can't avoid it. No, no matter how um, rich you are or anything, every day, one day, we will all face the fact that our life here is going to end, no matter how much money you have. And even Tom Cruise, you know, Tom Cruise turned 60, I think, last week. He still looks 25, you know, but one day as well, Tom Cruise will be laying in that hospital bed facing mortality, right? So looking further into eternity, we have the parable of the rich man and Lazarus. And that's in Luke chapter 16, uh, verse 30, excuse me, 16, verse 13. I'm just going to flip over and read through it here. So the rich man and Lazarus. This parable has always sent chills down my spine. It's always been in my mind. I think about it a lot. So Luke 16, 13. Oh, pardon me. It's uh, verse 19. Jesus said, There was a certain rich man who was splendidly clothed in purple and fine linen and who lived each day in luxury. At his gate lay a poor man named Lazarus who was covered with sores. As Lazarus lay there longing for scraps from the rich man's table, the dogs would come and lick his open sores. Finally, the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to sit beside Abraham at the heavenly banquet, or Abraham's bosom. The rich man had also died and was buried, and he went to the place of the dead. There in torment, he saw Abraham in the far distance with Lazarus at his side. The rich man shouted, Father Abraham, have some pity. Send Lazarus over here to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in anguish in these flames. But Abraham said to him, Son, remember that during your lifetime you had everything you wanted, and Lazarus had nothing. Now he is here being comforted, and you are in anguish. And besides, there is a great chasm separating us. No one can cross over to you from here, and no one can cross over to us from there. Then the rich man said, Please, Father Abraham, at least send him to my father's home, for I have five brothers, and I want him to warn them so they don't end up in this place of torment. But Abraham said, Moses and the prophets have warned them. Your brothers can read what they wrote. But the rich man replied, No, no, Father Abraham, but if someone is sent back from the dead, then they will repent of their sins and turn to God. But Abraham said, if they won't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. And I feel like that's so true. You know, so many folks out there, their hearts are so hard. They're so turned away from the Lord that even someone coming back from the dead, they'd say, nah, no way. No, I don't believe it. You know, and it's, it's, it's one of the, the saddest things we see, right? And I, I feel like when we enter into eternity... The value of the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to skyrocket. 
It's going to skyrocket. We're really going to see how, how much God has done for us. We're really going to see the value of Christ and everything that he's done when we're in eternity and we realize that we're over here and there's a lot of folks over here. And I don't know if we're going to be able to see that as well, if we'll see this picture. But man, I feel like as soon as I pick myself up off the ground there, all I'm going to be able to say is, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I think that after a thousand years in eternity, I'm still only going to be able to say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And the value of the gospel is going to continue to skyrocket. You know, um, my dad and I, we were pretty close. And him and I, we had quite the age difference between us. He was uh, 42 uh, when I was born. And so when I was 18, he was 60. And um, we always had wonderful conversations. We talked a lot about life, and more so I just listened to so much he had to say. He had kind of already lived his life, you know, and I was just coming up. And he would always say, you know, son, it's incredible how fast it goes, you know. He would say, I'm 60. I remember when I was 18, you know, and it was like nothing. And he, we would always talk about the brevity of life. And um, we had wonderful conversations. Like I said, we talk a lot about the Bible and of prophecy and where the world is heading. And, and, and we, would, we would, of course, by taking that road, you'd have to get into talking about eternity and, and where we're all going and how this is going to end up, you know. Uh, this, this September will be almost two years since uh, we lost my dad. And uh, he had the privilege um, of passing away in his own home. It was during COVID, and we, we fought to, to keep him home so that we could see him every day. And uh, we, were, we were blessed to be able to do that. And so I did. I seen him every day. I was down there, and we would have the same conversations. We had our values straightened out. And um, one morning, I got my car uh, to head over. My mom called me, and uh, she said, he, he's gone. And so I thought, oh, no, I missed him, you know. And so I still headed there, and um, I went in the room, and, and he was laying there. And, you know, I, I hugged him, and I kissed him, and I held his hands, and I told him I loved him. And I looked into his eyes, and he was gone. He was gone. He wasn't there. His, his body was there, but he was gone. And I, I sat there, and the rest of the family, they came through. And uh, eventually the fellas from the funeral home came by, and I helped them, you know, load my dad up and, and take him out to the van. And I watched that van drive away and, and turn, and, and I just turned to the house, and I went up the stairs and back in the house, and he left everything. I looked at his slippers and his shoes and his shoe horns and, you know, it was, uh, he left it all. And, you know, it's the same with us. Nothing material is going to carry over. You know, like the old saying, the, the U-Haul doesn't follow the hearse, right? When, when we leave this earth, we're one or two things. We're either saved or we're unsaved. You either know Jesus or you don't. And on that day with a capital D, when we stand before our maker, the author of life, the God of heaven's armies, the one who took our place, the one with the marks in his hands, 
and feet, he will say one or two things. He will say, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. Or he will say, depart from me. I never knew you. Let's get this right. Let's get this right. We have this side of eternity. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Let's get this right. Let's see Jesus for who he is, the Savior of the world. We got to see the value of Christ. I just want to finish quick with Luke 7, 36. This beautiful picture of a woman who saw the value of Christ. It says this, One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt down behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would have known what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other, but neither could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one who he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off my feet, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love. But a person who is forgiven little only shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. You know, she's seen the true value of Jesus, and she saw who she really was. You know, and one of the keys to all this is seeing us for who we really are. Sinners in need of a Savior. Sinners whose righteousness is like dirty rags to the Lord. It's not so we fall down on our feet and realize what lost wretches we would be without the Lord. How hopeless we would be without Him. And like I said, that, that value of the gospel, once we cross over into eternity, will skyrocket. He, the, the key is just to see the value of Christ and what He's done, is to see ourselves for how we truly are too. Desperately lost in our sin. Until he came, we were lost. We were sheep without a shepherd. But now we're found. Blind, but now we can see. Who pardoned our great debt and gave us a future and a hope. The value of Christ. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we... 
are so humble before you today, God. God, we would be so lost without you, but we thank you for your great love for us. God, we thank you that you paid it all so that we would never have to taste death, Lord. You took the sting out of death, God. Thank you that you're so gracious that we can approach you with confidence because of your great love for us, that, Lord, that you also value us. And when we lay at your feet, God, is where we're meant to be. God, I just ask that everyone here, Lord, somebody said last night, it's incredible to see how many people are hurting in the world. There's a lot of people hurting in the world, Lord. They need you. They need you, Father. And Lord, would you enable us to bring your good news and your love to them, God. God, would you create in us new cisterns, Lord, that we can hold your living water, that it would be spilling over, no matter we go to the grocery store or work or where we go, God, that people would see your living water in us, Lord, and and come who are thirsty for a drink, God. Would you bring people, Lord, in these strange, troubling days, Lord, these pregnant days, God, would we rise up, and say, I hold the highest value, God, the value of you, Father. And would we share this value with a bankrupt world? God, help us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. I hope you enjoy a beautiful summer day. Uh, I'll remind you guys to get your kids. And um, again, a pleasure to be with you guys. God bless.